This podcast is sponsored by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. GoMoto now has three new kiosks that allow customers to check in online and in-store, drop off and pick up keys, and interact in both English and Spanish. Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, September 13th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. Kellen is traveling to Detroit as we speak for this week's auto show. In today's news, the UAW ends its strike in Indiana, Carvana tries to work things out with Illinois, and cruise robo-taxis are coming to two more cities. Plus, we'll hear from ITS America President and CEO Laura Chase about the life-saving potential of V2X technology. ITS America has always had a goal of getting to zero deaths. And we believe that this is the time for this technology to be deployed at scale. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. The UAW's Stellantis strike in Kokomo is over. Workers ratified an agreement with the automaker yesterday. The UAW said working conditions at the plant were unacceptable, specifically citing the facility's HVAC system. A prolonged strike at the Kokomo casting plant likely would have threatened Stellantis production throughout North America. The union posted an update to its website announcing the successful vote, though it did not disclose the vote count or share details about the agreement. So far today, automotive news journalists haven't been able to reach union officials for more information. Moving west across state lines to Illinois, representatives for Carvana have met with state officials about the online retailer's license to sell used vehicles in the land of Lincoln. In May, the Illinois Secretary of State said Carvana failed to properly transfer titles for vehicles it sold and misused the way it issued out-of-state temporary registration permits. This summer, a judge nixed the Secretary of State's ability to suspend or revoke Carvana's license. As of now, the company is allowed to sell used vehicles in Illinois under some restrictions. The Secretary of State's office says it remains in discussions with Carvana over the status of its license and vehicle titling and registration problems. The next public hearing in the case is scheduled for December 12th. Despite some unflattering headlines about Cruise's robo-taxi rollout in San Francisco, the AV startup is satisfied enough with its performance to expand to two more cities. Cruise plans to bring its robo-taxi business to Phoenix and Austin in the next three months. It has a target of earning a billion dollars in revenue by 2025. Cruise CEO Kyle Vogt said the technology is performing well enough in San Francisco to justify the expansion. The surprise push comes after GM had to fix its software after an accident in San Francisco in June. In another incident, dozens of its cars stopped at an intersection in the city, hemming other vehicles in for almost two hours. And Tesla is preparing for a production surge at its factory in Germany. The EV maker says its ramp-up is going well, and it plans to boost output of its Model Y crossover in Berlin. That's according to our sister publication in Germany, Automobil Voka. The German press agency says Tesla aims to build 5,000 vehicles a week at the plant by the first quarter of next year. As its new factories in Germany and Texas ramp up output, the company has forecast annual production of 2 million cars next year, 
That's ahead of its long-term goal of building 20 million vehicles a year. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, proponents of connected technology say it could help bring traffic deaths down to zero in the United States. We'll hear from ITS America President and CEO Laura Chase about why it's taking so long to get V2X technology to market. That's next on Daily Drive. Picture your service drive on a busy morning. There's a line of customers waiting to drop off their keys and check in at the counter. Every advisor is busy with simple tasks. Two are typing customer concerns into the computer to get a repair order created. Two are trying to find an appointment the customer swears they created online. And another is looking for a customer's keys who didn't come in to pick up their vehicle the night before. It's a chaotic and unproductive scene, and you know you're probably losing money by not offering standard upsells with every write-up and frustrating customers with long wait times. Now imagine that same morning, but with customers checking in themselves in about two minutes. Your advisors are still busy, but they are busy selling. There are no more lines, no more wasted time, and no more frustration. GoMoto kiosks free up your advisors to focus on high-impact, customer-facing, profit-oriented work that improves and speeds up the process. And with three new kiosks, online check-in, and Spanish-language support, you can now serve more customers in more ways with a process that fits their needs. Visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com to explore all the ways kiosks can increase profit, efficiency, and overall operations in your service drive. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. The Detroit Auto Show isn't the only big event in the auto world coming up. On Sunday, the ITS World Congress kicks off in Los Angeles. Built as the premier event in intelligent transportation, it will feature presentations and conversations about how connected technology can help drive down traffic deaths, which have been skyrocketing on U.S. roadways. ITS America President and CEO Laura Chase recently spoke with our own Pete Bigelow about the event and V2X Technology on Shift, a podcast about mobility. Here's a piece of their conversation. ITS World Congress is coming up in a matter of days, practically at this point. Give us a sneak peek of of what to expect in Los Angeles. Well, thank you. We are so excited uh, to welcome the world to L.A., Um, And you're right. We actually start, everything starts on September 18th. So we're very close. Um, We are really looking forward to, so first of all, it it really will be the first time the whole world community of ITS leaders is able to get back together again in person. Um, Last year, some of us were fortunate enough to go to Hamburg for the World Congress, but there were many travel restrictions in place at that time. Um, And so, you know, one of the things I think many of us are so excited for about Los Angeles is really truly getting the full global community back together. And, you know, as you well know from the work that you do, um, technology and innovation did not take a back seat or a break, even when many of us were, you know, kept in our houses or not able to travel. So there's just a lot to talk about in Los Angeles. Um, So we are going to be talking about all the topics that you would expect from connected and automated mobility, uh, you know, seamless mobility, um, how do we ensure equity and access to communities, Um, sustainability and resiliency in our system, freight, you know, the role of technology and freight delivery, 
And of course, with the infrastructure bill being um, top of mind, um, you know, how do we actually uh, incorporate these technologies into our infrastructure and this this concept of digital infrastructure and and smart infrastructure? Um, so we are going to be covering all of that and more in Los Angeles. Um, we do have three main plenary sessions, and um, they will focus on one will focus on safety and a safe systems approach. One will focus on transportation decarbonization and sustainability with a focus on how do we make that transition equitably. And then the third will focus on um, a smarter digital future and how ITS technology uh, can serve as the backbone um, for that. Um, so I'll stop there and see what other questions you have about Los Angeles. Yes, I think uh, we're going to have no trouble uh, continuing this conversation because there's a lot that you just mentioned I want to ask you about. Uh, maybe my one of my questions would be just, you know, you've been with ITS America for, I think, about seven years now. How has the conversation changed uh, over that time from like the, the first time that you attended, perhaps? Well, you know, that's a really good question. There are, I think, so one change is that a lot of these technologies that were being discussed as more emerging, maybe even seven years ago, are, are really um, operational now. Um, but as many people in the industry realize, you know, they're, they're deployed in pockets, but we may not have full deployment of these technologies throughout all communities. And so right now there's a real conversation about how do we actually, you know, use the funding that's available now, use this opportunity to really scale deployments of these technologies in support of uh, a safer, greener, smarter future for all, right? In support of these societal goals. Um, and so I think that that while you might hear conversations about some, some similar types of technologies, mm -hmm. as we talked about maybe even five or seven years ago, what that conversation focuses on is different now, because again, we have deployments, uh, we've seen pilots, we've seen deployments, and we see this um, expanding into many more communities, both in the U.S., but also internationally. So we have a lot of these technologies that are coming to the market now. Uh, they're at least deployed in these pockets you've mentioned. And, and on the other hand, like we see the traffic fatality rates that are going through the roof here in the U.S., um, before I ask you about the technology, I guess, what's your read big picture on, on what's happening on the roads uh, in America? Well, um, I mean, it's tragic and it's awful. And I will tell you from a personal perspective, uh, I am a mother of three and I actually have two 16 year old sons who have their learner's permits right now. So uh, I am in the position of, you know, while I advocate for this life-saving technology, uh, many life-saving technologies, uh, you know, including VitaX and others, I have my own children behind the wheel at arguably the most dangerous time, you know, in, in recent decades. Um, I think, you know, from my own perspective and from data that we've seen, you know, we've seen obviously speeding has increased. Um, we've seen sort of an increase in, in aggressive driving. Um, and, you know, I think that we've also seen that as people have returned to the roads, that the fatalities are just keep going up. We've also seen an increase in vulnerable road user fatality. And I think a lot of that is due to, you know, mixed use of roadways that happened during the pandemic from cyclists and pedestrians and cars. Um, but perhaps the infrastructure isn't designed um, to accommodate all those users in the best way. And that's where I think um, both 
you know, road design and I'm going to say non-technological solutions can be used, but technology plays a critical role in being a, a tool that can address some of those challenges that we're facing. And certainly in terms of getting to zero deaths. Is technology equivalent to intelligent transportation? Are those two two phrases inter- interchangeable there? Or how do you define intelligent transportation? <laughs> so you're asking a very important question. Um, we have expanded the definition of intelligent transportation systems from maybe what it was, you know, in the 1990s at the inception. Um, so we are looking at uh, many forms of technology that are are included in an overall intelligent transportation system. Um, In particular, I am talking about connected vehicle technologies, you know, vehicle to everything technologies, which allow road users to communicate with each other, whether it's vehicle to vehicle communication, whether it's, you know, vehicle to infrastructure, whether it's um, vehicle to pedestrian. And that in particular, that technology in particular um, has been shown to have the ability to reduce fatalities um, by a significant amount on our roadways. And we know it is um, a critical tool if we are going to get to zero deaths. I, I just America has always had a goal of getting to zero deaths. And we believe that this is the time for this technology to be deployed at scale. The U.S. Department of Transportation just hosted a summit on this, um, and we made some recommendations uh, at that summit, because we cannot do this on our own as an industry, we really do need um, a partnership with the federal government to have this technology um, deployment really scale. What are the recommendations that you made to the Department of Transportation in terms of helping to uh, usher in an era of connected vehicles? Well, so you know from being in this industry that the connected vehicle topic has has not we've not always seen complete alignment right among the stakeholders and and that has changed. So what we said to the Department of Transportation were a couple of things. We said number one, the industry is now aligned around supporting deployment of connected vehicle technology. But here's what we need from the federal government. Um, the first thing we asked for was a vision and a strategy for connected vehicle deployment in the nation's transportation system. That's really important because even the National Roadways Safety Strategy that the department released last year does not include B2X in that. So we really need leadership from the federal government to show that this is a critical tool in our quest to get to zero deaths. The second thing that we asked for is, uh, we asked for the department to work with uh, the FCC to resolve issues of harmful interference in the remaining 30 megahertz, which would be used for uh, for V to X communications, um, you know, and to and to close out that chapter of the FCC rulemaking. So basically, industry wants to know the rules. They want to understand how the 30 megahertz can be used. They want to make sure that there is not harmful interference. And then the third and final thing is that we asked for the department to create an environment that will be conducive for the automakers to make that investment in the vehicle side and to actually deploy this into vehicles. Because at the end of the day, you can't get V to X and you can't get V to I without the V. So we know that we need uh, the automakers as partners. We know we need the industry owner operators, public agencies as partners. And we really are looking to the federal government to help provide that leadership and certainty so everyone 
can feel that if they're going to make these investments, that they're making them towards a larger national plan. Laura Chase is the president and CEO of ITS America. She spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear the full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on connected technology, labor disputes, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. And make sure to join us on the podcast tomorrow. We'll be recording live from the floor of the North American International Detroit Auto Show. You can also watch us live on the Automotive News LinkedIn page at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.